Okay, I'm going to take it easy on you guys. This is like the first formal service of the year pretty much. Last week we had a prayer service. This is the first formal one that like we're doing, actually doing the service service. Uh, so I'm going to take it easy on you guys. I'm just going to do review uh, of what you just heard. Uh, I know some people here don't even remember what that is. I, I even forgot what I said. <laughs> that was seven weeks ago, I think. It was about seven weeks ago. So I, I couldn't remember. I had to watch it again. Uh, I'm like, what did I say again? Uh, so yeah, we're going to do review before we get to the, the meat of this whole topic of the, the happy topic of circumcision. <laughs> so it's a big topic. So I want you guys to actually to really, really, really get it. Before we start, let me just thank the Board of Deacons and the worship team for organizing that prayer fellowship we had last week. Thank you for all of you who joined. Uh, it's nice to uh, be able to start the year, the first day of the year, uh, in prayer. Uh, and we have those guys, the deacons and the worship team, to thank for that. So, um, and as promised, we're going to go back to our study here in the book of Exodus. So we're stuck in chapter 12. We're at the end of it. Um, so I'm going to be taking, again, review uh, so that we are all caught up. We're on the same page when we start the actual sermon. So think of this as an, uh, a long introduction <laughs> for next week's sermon. Okay? So I'll start off by, uh, you know, uh, reviewing where we left off in chapter 12. So... Um, where we are in chapter 12, so if you know the book of Exodus, is the story of Moses and the Israelites. They're enslaved in Egypt, and uh, God promised through Moses to, to get them out of Egypt. Um, uh, and, and they asked Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron, they asked Pharaoh. He said no, and God sent 10 plagues. Okay, I'm fast-forwarding through all of this. You should know this, those of you. If not, attend Sunday school, please. Uh, <laughs> Ten plagues, after the ten plagues, they're about to get out. God said before the tenth plague came, what? Uh, you need to do this so that you will be passed over. And God gave some rules at the beginning of chapter 12 for the Passover meal so that the Israelites, who has the blood, who paints the blood on their doorposts, will be passed over and saved. And then after that, Pharaoh, God said, Pharaoh will kick you out. You don't have to ask him to leave. He will get rid of you. That's what's happening right now. They're about to leave Egypt on the way to where? Promised land. Yes. This is where we're all at right now. Um, I think I don't need to explain that, but we're on the way there, those of us who are believers, right? This is, this is what's happening. But before the chapter ends, here comes another instructions. It's another set of instructions for Passover. Um, and I said that uh, these instructions are, quote-unquote, additional, but they're really not additional. They're included in the original instructions. But there still has to be some kind of significance to these. Uh, and that's what we're looking at, the significance of these instructions. Uh, and the last time I was here, I, I said that we're going to look at them through the lens of two Ps. Do you remember the two Ps? Prerequisites and pointers. So when we look at the instructions, you'll see that there's a bunch of prerequisites that point to something. So the first prerequisite that we saw in these verses is that all of the congregation of the nation of Israel was required to eat and observe the first Passover. If they don't, their firstborn will die. Okay? They were required. It's a prerequisite for 
the nation of Israel to be saved, uh, or to be passed over, okay? That was the first prerequisite that we saw. And the Passover celebrations after that, they're supposed to observe. Not just observe, but pass through throughout their generations. Okay? Supposed to teach them and pass them throughout throughout all uh, the generations. Um, Again, I'm not going to go through what this points to, but I'm going to encourage you to watch the sermons on this topic. Um, So a second prerequisite that we saw uh, involves those non-Israelites who were part of the Exodus. So I said this, if you can remember, most scholars, most theologians say that uh, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they had other people, other nations with them. Some even say that there were some Egyptians who left Egypt together with the Israelites. So there were non-Israelites in their caravan. It wasn't just them. So thinking about that and, and knowing that, the question arose, what about these people? Are they allowed to partake the Passover meal? That's what these instructions are answering, right? The first answer that we saw um, is that no, only covenant people of Israel, part of the nation, are allowed or should take the Passover meal. If you're a foreigner, no. Slave, no. Then you read on and you saw that no, that, that's not the case. They're not allowed. They're not, uh, or the, the, the foreigners were allowed, but there was a prerequisite. What was the prerequisite? Their males must be circumcised. Why circumcision? Um, well, <laughs> we're not, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but it's a pointer. Circumcision is a pointer to something. To what? What was the covenant for? That's what we explain. That's what I explained on that sermon that we watched. What is the, COVID, the, the circumcision pointing to is the covenant between God and Abraham that was way back in Genesis 15. So, um, I said that the covenant of circumcision is a bilateral covenant. When I say bilateral, it's two-way, right? God has plays a part. Abraham plays a part in the covenant. Um, and it's between God and not just Abraham, but all of his descendants that God promised to give him. Um, in this case, is the nation of Israel. Right? So, um, to become part of this covenant, you have to be part of the covenant of circumcision. To be part of the covenant of circumcision, your males has to be circumcised. And when they are part of the covenant of circumcision, that means they're part of the covenant nation of Israel, then they can partake of the Passover meal. From there, we took a closer look at what the covenant of circumcision is all about. Uh, In summary, and again, I'm going to encourage you to watch this sermon on this. Um, The covenant of circumcision is a pointer to the original covenant that God made with Abraham. So the covenant of circumcision is a covenant and pointer to another covenant. And this time, the covenant that I'm talking about is the one found in Genesis 12 and 15. So I said that the key to understanding the covenant of circumcision lies with a clear understanding of what happened when God made his original covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, verses 12 to 20. If you can still remember this, I said that back in those days, making a covenant or 
cutting a covenant must have three specific elements to it. Three S's. What were those S's? Do you guys remember? <laughs> three S's to making a covenant in the days of Abraham. Sovereign, uh, stipulations, and a spectator or a witness. Okay. There has to be those. Otherwise, not a valid covenant. Right? The sovereign is the ruler or the king. And then there must be a, a spectator, a witness to, to ratify the covenant, the covenant, to make it valid. Right? And then there are stipulations, the details of the covenant. So when God first made the covenant with Abraham, he was the one who fulfilled all of the elements. He was the sovereign, he gave the stipulations, and he was the witness. Right? He was the one who validated or ratified the covenant as the witness. That's why, if you can still remember, I said that God's original covenant with Abraham was what? Unilateral. It's a one-way covenant. God just promised Abraham to do something for him. Abraham had nothing to do back. There was nothing that Abraham had to do in order for that promise to be fulfilled. Unilateral. One-way covenant. It was all dependent on God to make good on his covenant with Abraham. That's why, again, if you can remember as well, when God made this covenant with Abraham, was Abraham wide awake? You know, he was asleep, right? Abraham was asleep, dreaming. He saw this all in a vision. You guys remember this? No? Oh, this is going to be a long day. I feel like I should do that sermon again. Um... Abraham was asleep. It's a one-way covenant. Abraham didn't do anything to, you know, make this covenant a reality. He, just, he was just asleep. He was just listening to, to God making this covenant. So now, now we know who the sovereign is. Now we know who the witness is. What were the stipulations of the covenant? Let's read it again. Genesis 15, 5 to 7. And God brought him outside and said, look towards heaven. Number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Six. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Seven. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. So all of these blessings are, are promises from God. I will give you children. What else? I'll give you land to possess. Right? These were the blessings part of the stipulations that God promised Abraham. Now, interestingly, when God said this, Abraham's response is not, thank you, God. Thank you for your promises. That's not his response. How did Abraham respond? If you notice in verse 6, he said, it says, Abraham believed. He believed God, but that wasn't the response that I'm talking about. In verses 2, 3, and 8, are Abraham's responses. Look at Abraham's response in verse 2. Uh, that's the wrong uh, verse. Genesis 15, 2. If you have your Bible, just turn to it. If you, 15, 2. 15, 2. It says, But Abraham said, O Lord God, what? Will you give me for I continue childless? 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. What was the promise to Abraham? I'll give you lots of kids. Number the stars. If you can number them. That's how many kids I'll give you. But Abraham said, how are you going to do that? You, you, don't, you haven't even given me one yet. How is this going to? How's this going to work? And then in, in verse 8, 15, 8. Okay? God said, I'll give you land to possess. God said, Abraham said, well, you can't give me kids. Or Abraham said, you haven't even been giving me one kid. Now you're giving me land? How am I supposed to know that I should possess this? Right? So was this God, uh, is this Abraham doubting God's faithfulness, doubting God's promises? I said, no, that wasn't the case, right? What Abraham's doing here is asking God for help to help him what? Help me believe, God. I believe you, but help me believe, <laughs> if that makes sense. I believe you, chapter, verse 6, but help me believe. Give me something that I can hold on to, an assurance, so that I can continue to believe. Um, and this Abraham voicing out his frustrations to God, asking, to help, asking God to help him believe. How did God reply? Uh, he said to Abraham, give me a cow, give me a goat, a ram, and some birds. That's the reply of God to Abraham's request to help him believe. Cow, goat, ram, right? And God said to Abraham, cut them in half, put them one side each. Don't cut the birds. He didn't cut the birds. And then Abraham fell asleep. God showed him a vision. Now, In the vision, God prophesied what would happen to Abraham's children. This implies that Abraham will have many children. But his children will be slaves in a foreign land. But what happens? God said, but I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to bring them to the land that I promised you. That's the second promise to Abraham, right? I'll give you many children and I will give you land to possess. And then God said after that, he didn't say anything at all. He actually did something. After repeating the blessings, part of the stipulations of the covenant, God ratified the covenant by giving, in, by giving Abraham a view of what the curse is. What is the curse for? To assure that the blessings will be fulfilled. Okay? That's covenant making in back in those days, Middle East covenant making, Stipulations always have blessings and curses. The curses is so that to make sure that the blessings that was promised will happen, will be fulfilled. So God, after giving the blessings, walked through the pieces of dead animals in the form of a flaming torch. Okay? What does that mean? I said, if you remember, that this means that God is ratifying the covenant by saying, if I don't come through with my promises to you to make you the father of many nations, may what happened to these animals happen to me. May I die, pretty much. That's what God is saying. That's how serious he was to his covenant. 
So God swore on his own life that he will be faithful to all his promises to Abraham. And this is the assurance that God gave Abraham in order to help Abraham believe. Abraham's asking God, give me help. Help me believe. How? God said, this is my assurance. I am going to. If I don't do this, I'm going to die. May I die. Greatest assurance. Because God can't die. <laughs> that means if God can't die, he can't fail. Right? I shouldn't have to say that, but is that good news? Man, this is a hard crowd today. I mean, don't you, like, I mean, you call me a nerd, Bible nerd, but don't that kind of like, yeah, God can't die, and if he can't die, he can't fail. <laughs> oh, man. Then you fast forward, Genesis 17. God and Abraham made another covenant. Right? This time, it's the covenant of circumcision. So this time, the covenant is bilateral, two-way. God's part of the covenant of the circumcision, and then Abraham's part of the covenant of circumcision. What's God's part of the covenant of circumcision? The covenant of circumcision says, God, if I, if I was God, God says to Abraham, I'm going to keep my part. You keep yours. What's God's part of the covenant of circumcision? Is to continue to be faithful to his original covenant. What's his original covenant? To give Abraham what? Many children and land to possess. God says, I'm going to be faithful to that. Covenant is my part of this covenant of circumcision. Your part is to what? To keep that covenant. Not the covenant of circumcision. To keep God's original covenant. How does Abraham keep the original covenant that God gave him back in Genesis 12, 15? What did I say? What did I talk about that? I said, to keep that covenant means to what? To continue to believe. Because God was, he gave up himself as the assurance, right? So Abraham, to keep the covenant, Abraham just continues to believe in God. Continue to believe in God. That was Abraham's part of the circumcision covenant. To continue by faith, to trust in God, to be, to be faithful, and to pass this faith along throughout the generations of all of his descendants. That's why when you read Romans and you get to chapter 10, right? Where they're say where Paul is saying, what about the Israelites? How will they be saved? What did Paul say in 11 and 10 and 11? Paul says, don't worry, God will keep their covenants to those who are Part of the children of Abraham. Does that mean all of the Israelites? No. Only those who believe, continue to believe in God, trust in God. That's how Abraham was to keep this covenant. And he's supposed to pass on that faith by teaching his children, discipling his children about who God is. That's what we're doing right now.
problem is, <laughs> if you were in the Sunday school in Proverbs, some of us just don't listen. No, it's serious. I can see you all looking at me, and I can see you all hearing me, but are you listening to me? There's a difference, right? Hear, you can always hear. Listen. So some of the people of Israel obviously didn't listen. If you know the story of Exodus, after they got out, they got back to their old ways. They were so used to many gods, they couldn't just sit there and have, you know, we don't have anything to worship. We need to see something. Make a, make a golden calf. What? Weren't you listening <laughs> before we left? No, they heard, but they didn't listen. So Abraham's part in, in passing the covenant is to teach his children, and the children's part is to listen and have the faith, hopefully have faith in God the way Abraham had faith in God. So as far as the covenant elements are concerned, in the covenant of circumcision, there is again a sovereign. There is again stipulations. The blessings part is God's original blessings that he promised to Abraham. To be a father of many nations, to give him land to possess. Now the difference in the covenant of circumcision versus God's covenant with Abraham, uh, the original one, is the ratification part of the covenant, the spectator part or the witness part of the covenant. The witness part of the covenant of circumcision is kind of like that cut animals in the original covenant. But this time, animals were not going to be cut. <laughs> Something else was going to be cut. Circumcision means cutting of foreskin. Right? So that's, that's the ratification part of the covenant of circumcision. Now, in the original covenant, who ratified the covenant? Who witnessed it? God himself. He walked through the cut pieces. This time, on the ratification part, the witness is Abraham. He has to have that. Okay? Um, the act of circumcision is a symbol saying that if Abraham does not keep his part of the covenant, then just like what God did, in the, original circum in the original covenant, um, Abraham's part, if he doesn't do his part in continuing to trust in God, to be faithful to his promises, what happens? When you ratify, when you get circumcised, it says that if you don't keep your part, may you be cut off from the source of life, which is God himself. But in the circumcision, if you, look at the, if you think about the physical aspect of it, the cut foreskin dies. That's what happens. And that's what Abraham is ratifying. What he's doing is ratifying the covenant. That if I don't do my part, if I don't keep the faith, then may this happen to me. May I be cut off from the source of life, which is God himself. So that's the act of, uh, that's what, uh, the act of circumcision symbolizes the curse of not keeping God's covenant by faith. Separation from life, or in other words, death. Right? Now, question I left with you at the end of last sermon on this topic was, um, where 
Abraham and all of his descendants, were they able to keep their part of the covenant? To keep on trusting in God's faithfulness. Were they able to keep it? Some of them, but not really perfectly. right? But they weren't able to keep it. So if God was to throw the book of the law at him, hey, we had a deal. You said <laughs> you were going to keep the part and you were going to teach it to your children. How come some of your children is making a golden, is going to make a golden calf later on in the desert? What happened to your part of the covenant? If, if, we were, if God was to throw the book at us, it's the same thing. Right? If we were under the law, so to speak, New Testament language, if God was to throw the book at us, we'd all be guilty. We didn't keep. Abraham and his descendants didn't keep. Who are the descendants of Abraham? Those who believe, those who have faith, right? Supposed to be. Who here has faith in God? Who here believes in God? Well, you're all part, part of the covenant. We're all part of it. We didn't keep it. The Exodus, that's what we see, right? The Exodus is a, is, a, is a reflection. That story of the Exodus is a reflection of us professing believers. So now how is it possible that God has not cut us off? How is it possible that God didn't cut off the Israelites? Our answer is in Colossians 2, 8 to 15. Can you read that? Let's just read this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or uh, an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were... Were you circumcised on your own? It says, in him, you were also, or you were circumcised with a circumcision made by hands. What does circumcision mean again? If you change the word circumcised to cut, what, does, what would that read? In him also you were cut or cut off with a circumcision made by hands by putting off, or without hands, by putting off, the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And then 13, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, 13, who were dead in your trespasses, okay, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So, is, can, does that still apply to our understanding of circumcision as far as the circumcision is the curse? By not, if, if you don't keep the covenant, remember? Circumcision, that act of cutting off, is the curse part of the covenant of circumcision. That if you don't do it, you'll get cut off. But what is Paul saying there? Is that still the same thing? 
Does the uncircumcision of us in the flesh and the circumcision that Paul talks about, is it the same thing? You want to know the answer to that? Yeah, come next week. Let me <laughs> but let me give you a, a hint, okay? When you miss your mortgage, and say you're, you're supposed to pay your mortgage every, what is it, 15th? Every 15th or every month, whatever, and you missed it. Do, you, do the bank say, okay, get out of the house. Uh, you missed payment on your mortgage by one day. Get out of the house. Let me, you know, let me take your house over. You don't have any mortgage anymore. It's not like that, right? What do they call that period that they allow you to? Grace period. <laughs> you know where they got that from? <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Grace period. That even though you messed up, didn't pay what you're supposed to pay, you didn't do your part of the covenant, of the contract that you signed, when you signed your mortgage, you missed it. It's a grace period. Now, in the real world, it's only a period. But what we're about to see in Colossians next week is that there is a different meaning that Paul puts to circumcision. The cutting off, it's not the same thing that we see in Genesis 15 when God, when they first did this covenant. There's a different meaning to it. It's not just a curse anymore. And I hope you see that just by reading that, right? But just by reading the verses. It's not just a curse anymore. There is something else to it. And for us to, <laughs> to understand that, come back next week, right? This is it. This is the climax of the whole thing. I just wanted us to review. Now we're all on the same page, right? I want you to read Colossians 2, 8 to 15. Keep reading it. And you probably don't have to come here next week. You'll probably know what I'm going to say, right? But if you keep reading it, there's another meaning to circumcision after that. We'll, we'll take that up next week. Amen? All right, let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. And give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. And make his face to shine upon Gracious, gracious, gracious.